You're listening to Pole Parlor, a fun, inspiring podcast for all those bewitched by pole dance. Each week, your Madam Crimson Minx has candid conversation with unique, engaging individuals from within and around the pole dance community. Pole Parlor is passionate about preaching creativity, soulful sensuality, and empowerment through pole dance. You know how we do. Welcome everyone to Pole Parlor. This is episode 58, Michelle Stanick. I'm your host, Crimson Minx. This week on the podcast, we have NYC old school pole artist Michelle Stanick. On this episode, we talk about how Michelle was thrown into the role of professional pole dancer after losing her full time job in 2009, how her interest in education in art and art history has influenced her pole career, we get advice on how to be an effective pole teacher and we chat about her current focus on just doing pole for the pure love of it. And as always, you can check out Michelle's post-podcast interview on the blog at www.poleparlor.com where she shares her favorite photos, music, video, and more. And also, I am so excited to announce that we have an amazing show sponsor for this episode. So, big thanks to San Francisco Pole and Dance. San Francisco Pole and Dance is a pole, aerial, and movement studio based in the heart of Soma in San Francisco, California, with over 45 drop-in classes every week in pole, choreography, aerial silks, lira, gymnastics, and burlesque, San Francisco Pole and Dance has something for everyone. You can check them out at www.sfpoleanddance.com. So I haven't personally been to San Francisco Pole and Dance yet, but I want to. And the reputation of the studio and its owner, Amy Bond, is stellar. So seriously, check it out if you ever find yourself in the San Fran area. And thank you so much for being a show sponsor and helping keep this podcast alive. And if you are interested in being a future show sponsor, hit me up via the contact form on the website. And now, let's bring on Michelle. Welcome, Michelle Stanick, to the Pole Parlor Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. So excited to have you on. So let's jump in. Same question we ask everyone. For how long have you been pole dancing, and how did you first discover pole? I've been pole dancing since 2007, so it's been 10 years now, maybe a little bit more than that, which is insane. Um, And I got into it because I was dragged to a class one day. I danced my whole life, which was awesome, and I had let that go for a little bit of time, and then... I was working at AIGA and one of my coworkers and best friends, and she's still one of my best friends, uh, was also growing up dancing. And she was like, let's go take this full dancing class together. And I was like, all right, let's go do that. <laughs> and it was at Crunch Gym and Kira Johannesson was our teacher, I think, the first day. And... I was terrible and it was really, really hard. But I was like, it's so freaking fun. This is so awesome. And that was like on a Friday night and I went back the next Friday night, the next one. And I got a membership and just kept going every week. 
And that's kind of how it started. And, you know, fast forward, it's taken over my whole life. Yeah, Yeah. to say the least. But it's funny because there is a crop of you guys like who started this crunch gym pull program because they are responsible. You are not the first person to have started around that time that we've had on the podcast at Crunch Gym. Yeah. I believe it was Kira. I think she started the, yeah, the classes at Crunch, yeah, in New York at least. I think, I'm pretty sure that's, she kind of like launched the program there and it like took off like crazy. Yeah. Just off the top of my head, I know we have Stephen Ratchless and Ros Mays who said that they they pulled in those early days of exactly. the crunch gym in New York City. Exactly. So. <laughs> and it was like, there was like five people per pole, you know, <laughs> it was insanely packed. We, no one knew, like, there was no other option, you know, it was like, this is just what pole dancing class is. And it was like multi-levels and it was, uh, it was crazy, but super fun. And it changed a lot of our lives. So, Yeah. Yeah, well, that's very cool. Who who would have thunk at the day? Um, so I'm guessing they were stage poles. No, they were installed. They installed? Oh yeah. wow! Oh yeah, my gosh, they were, major. Yeah, they were like semi permanent, so they would come up and down. So it was yeah. just in their group fitness uh, studio. So they would put them up for the pole class and then take them down for you know kickboxing or whatever was happening next. Wow, it's a lot of work, but. Yeah. Fascinating. And you said that you have a dance background. So what's that all about? Yeah, I grew up dancing. Um, Thank God my mom put me in dance class when I was like five (laughs) and been dancing ever since. I did a lot of ballet in like high school. You know, that was my thing. I was a ballerina, did the Nutcracker every year, (laughs) went to ballet camps in the summer. Um, so I did that. And then I guess when I was like late teens, like senior in high school, maybe junior year, I had a falling out like clash with the director of our ballet company because they changed over and it was a new director now and we did not get along. So I quit ballet. It was a whole thing. Oh, wow. And then I started doing like contemporary, you know, whatever contemporary was available to me in Pennsylvania. I would sometimes come up to New York or Philadelphia to take class and, um, kind of just like left ballet behind and then went to college, continued with my dance classes in college. I went to a great school for dance, um, Goucher College in Baltimore, Maryland. (laughs) We talked before and realized we both um, went to college in Baltimore. So we've... So we got excited about that, but we did, we did never, well, maybe we did cross paths. I definitely didn't go for dance, but that's so cool. Did you ever like, so you performed in college and everything and was that your major or was it just something you were? Well, I decided early on that I didn't want to be a dance major uh, because I was like, what am I going to do with <laughs> paying tuition to be a dance major? You know, I just did not see that really paying off mm-hmm. for me. The you irony, know. yeah. I totally, (laughs) it's crazy. Like that's never going to get me a real job. Um, So I was an art history major, but my first class of art history freshman year, I was like hooked. Like I loved my teacher. I loved the class. I loved the information. I was like, this is a great major. Um, So dance was something I probably spent the most hours of the week doing, um, but it wasn't my major. And I'm grateful that I, I did that. 
Well, yeah, because we'll get into that more later, but it's definitely influenced you as a polar. But I mean, it's the same as being uh, a collegiate athlete where that's not, you're not majoring in being on the football team, but it can really, if that's what your, your performance preference is, that can really take over. Yeah. Too bad the dancers didn't make any money, though. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Well, I, I don't think the college athletes do either. That's I think there's, true. there's they don't. But you know, but I don't. They they have opportunity after at, at least. And, yeah, they do. And you proved that there there is too. So is you you can become a dancer, kids. <laughs> you don't have to have a real job <laughs> and a real major. You can do it. Yeah. So you, and you, it's good. It's good that you had those other influences because you have, I notice how not just the contemporary dance background and the ballet background influence your personal style of, of pole, but also your art history has played, uh, knowledge has played into it so much. It's influenced your performances as well as you even have something called the wall at body and pole oh yeah that that's so great so the wall at body and pole is literally a wall (laughs) in body and pole Mm -hmm. um like in the lobby when you walk in and you know for a while it was just a blank wall and then we just started put up like um photos that you know photographers had taken of our instructors and then I was like can I have this wall and make it like a legit gallery space um so it's like our own little contemporary art gallery and it's a great location because it's in Chelsea in the middle of New York City um there's tons of art galleries around there so I curate um I would say like three to four shows a year And the mission is that the artists that are exhibiting on the wall represent movement in any way, in any interpretation that sort of highlights and supplements and, you know, goes with the creativity and the dance and the movement that happens within the studio. So that's sort of the mission of the wall. And I try to select artists that you know, just, and it's so widely interpreted. It could be anything. Like I literally had a wall that we called the wall of tits or glitter tits. And it was just, (laughs) um, we did it in October and it was up for a couple months, but it was just like framed tits, (laughs) molds of tits that were decorated in like different types of glitter and design and mosaics and glass. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, that was a little out there. Um, so you gave them to individual artists to interpret on their, uh, like they do in cities, like they, they give like an object or like the Fabergé eggs or whatever they are where you have to, yeah like the hearts or the cows or whatever. It was actually one artist that did all of them though. She, her name was Brie. Yeah. And she was, she's awesome. And she does a lot of different types of art and she just had this whole series of glitter tits. And I was like, this would be an awesome show uh, on the wall. And people loved it and it was really colorful and exciting. And then I always do an opening event. So, you know, a gallery opening is an event and there's like, you know, wine and you look around at the art and it's great. Um, but we also do like a DJ and we have performances in the studio and we have a photo booth and all sorts of like whatever, whatever we can imagine, um, we do. And then I had the dancers, you know, topless with pasties and I basically put a frame around their chest and just like poured glitter on them. So they like, 
the dancers at the event were, uh, you know, part of homage to the show. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really fun project for me because I get to bridge those two things that I love so much, dance and aerial, um, and art. So that's really awesome. I'm glad I have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. How often do you switch out the show? Um, I like to do it. Uh, have, we say that the, sh- the show should be up like for two and a half, three months. And then of course there's like downtime in between for a few weeks. I've been slacking on it a little bit and <laughs> busy. Um, so the next show is going up in January and then the one after that will probably be in April, you know, so that one will be up for three months and then it'll be like a summertime show and then a fall show. So I guess like seasonally is yeah. the goal. Okay. Yeah. That's still, that's yeah. a lot. That's awesome though. And it's great because pole studios, that's just something for people to think about operating beyond just, you know, classes. You yeah. have this space and you have people with artistic appreciation and it's yeah. also like a very cool way to introduce a different community to, exactly. to what you're you're doing inside the space. So yeah, exactly. That's, that was, that's one of the points of it is to bring, you know, another audience, you know, an outside audience that appreciates art and things like that in New York, um, but bring them into the studio and be like, this is what we're all about. So yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you also use art to influence your performances and inspire your performances, which, you know, I think is pretty rad. So um, can we like your, was it pole theater? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. (laughs) I love that. I love that one. So the ecstasy of St. Teresa is this amazing Baroque sculpture, architectural, the whole thing. It's like a multimedia chapel in this church in Rome by Bernini. And I love it. And I've been to Italy so many times to study art and to work. And I've, I, every time I go, I go to see this work of art because it just moves me and I just stare at it forever. And there's so much to appreciate. There's so much drama and movement. And she's like, just clearly in this like ecstasy. Um, and then, you know, I had this idea to do it as a pole dance piece. So I pitched it to pole art um, and they accepted it. So I did my pole dance interpretation of the ecstasy of St. Teresa. And it's basically, you know, this nun, St. Teresa, who had this ecstatic experience with God through an angel piercing her and lighting up her insides on fire. You know, I was like, (laughs) so she had this like orgasm and this orgasmic experience. And that was like her communion with God. And I was like, this is a hot story. It's amazing. (laughs) There's so much going on here. There's so many levels. Um, and the work that Bernini did is just, I love it so much. And so, interpreting that into pole dance was like that was a highlight you know a life highlight to be able to do that yeah I loved it 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 turned out amazing I'm gonna put a link to it in the show notes for people to check out if they haven't seen it but we talk on here a lot about oh how do you get inspiration for your pieces and a lot of people will like pick the music first and then they develop the character which is like totally awesome and probably how I do it um 
and is a very logical yeah. way of doing it. But this is just like, oh, another way to do it. Like find yeah. a, an artistic piece that really inspires you. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like if you pick a character from a film, maybe that inspires you. This is just you're picking a character from a piece of artwork mm-hmm. and, and telling that story still. So yeah, cool way Definitely. of going about it. Thanks. Thank you. It doesn't happen that often. You know, sometimes I'm like looking for inspiration and I don't, you know, Mm. it doesn't come to me. Like I look at art all the time and I always go to museums and like, you know, nothing, you know, like nothing, it's nothing. And then that one time though, when you see something and it like sparks something inside of you, that can inspire so many things in your life. And yeah, yeah, so just keep your eyes open and let the inspiration come. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Another way to to be inspired and being cross-disciplinary and just appreciating art for its ability to inspire across all areas of your life, right? Yeah, definitely. So you were, okay, so so we're back in 2007. You are going to the Crunch Gym and taking your pole classes and you're working at AIGA, which is um, uh, the, oh my gosh, American Institute of Graphic Arts. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And I told you, like, I was president of our college's um, awesome. chapter, and I, it slipped my mind. I was in AIGA for many years, but I don't really yeah. say it. <laughs> they, don't, they don't use those words anymore anyway, so oh, okay. you're so, off the hook. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, so you were um, working at AIGA in New York City. You're yeah. taking these poll classes. How yeah. did you kind of get more into the poll and have that transition to I just I straight up got laid off oh. <laughs> so was yeah, it like 2007 2008 that it was the end of 2009 oh, okay. so like yeah January of 2010 I was out of a job okay. and I was like oh shit like that was unexpected I also really loved my job like yeah. did not see it coming um, and they just, they laid me off and I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And I panicked and I did all the interviews and sent my resume everywhere and updated my LinkedIn and <laughs> talked to a million people and tried to get another job and nothing really panned out. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to chill. I'm going to collect my unemployment. And I'm just going to take all the pole dancing classes I can because it's really fun. And I was already teaching at the time, um, okay. at crunch and, I think I body and pull too. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm just going to do this more. And then I did. And then I started entering competitions and I won a few like right in the beginning back to back. And then that just, it took off and who knew, you know, that was going to happen. I was like, well, I'm just going to ride this wave for as long as possible. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just became like a full-time polar. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's great. I miss it. You know, it was great to have like nothing to do during the day except train and teach and work out and create and choreograph. And yeah, those were good times. Yeah. What was the reality (laughs) of that in terms of like how many classes were you teaching a week and were you traveling and doing workshops and things like that as well? Because this was kind of an early 2010 was still pretty early on in the grand scheme of things. I guess so. Yeah, I definitely feel very lucky that I got in at the beginning of of the pole dancing wave. Um, So yeah, I guess that was kind of early uh, for that to happen. But um, yeah, I taught like almost every day, like 
Saturday I taught four classes, like three at body and pole or like two at crunch. And then I taught, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at body and pole. And then I'd go like to the 59th street crunch to teach and then get on the train and go down to the park slope crunch to teach. It was like, you know, you run all over the city teaching your classes at a million different places. Um, so I was definitely keeping myself busy teaching in the city. Um, and then, I started traveling. I lived in Sweden for a little bit in 2010. Wow. Um, yeah, like just teaching. I got the opportunity to do that. So I was like, sure, I'll go there. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And then I guess I, it was probably in 2012 after the USPDF competition that I really started touring. So I got like my touring booking agent um, with Pol- Christy with Poles on Tour. And she just put me on all these amazing tours and from 2012, I guess, to, like, 2015, um, yeah, that's what I was doing. It was, like, constantly on the road and, yeah, all over the world, which was yeah, amazing, amazing experiences, best, the best times ever. Um, so, yeah, I did that for a while. And then I stopped. <laughs> until you said till 2015 okay that's I mean that's hard to be traveling and not be settled down I mean you have a husband now right were you guys married at the time or well we got married in June of 2014 and I remember like I had some things booked after that um like my Russia tour and then I went to Dubai again and South Africa in 2014, 2015, I was like, after those are done, I gotta, I gotta like stop this like crazy international traveling. Um, to, and I still travel, but I was like, I'm going to focus on traveling in the United States and making some money here and doing some tours in, in the 50 States. Um, cause it's just easier and it's, it's nice to be home. Yeah. And I have a husband and I like him a lot you know? <laughs> and I want to be around him and like the rest of my family. And I, I, it was like, I felt like I was starting to miss things like birthdays and engagement parties and weddings and Thanksgiving, you know? And I was like, Hmm, like it's a little sad. I got to rethink this and I got to like balance my life a little bit differently and uh, reschedule some things so I can have, you know, some quality home family time as well as, you know, still make some money and travel because as a pole dancer, you know, there's not much money in it. Um, but there is when you are, you know, touring and traveling, you can actually like make, make a decent living. Um, but you have to find a balance but, and also, God bless the people, though, that are just out there hustling and traveling right now. Like, yeah. do it. Do it as long as you can. If I were younger and <laughs> single, oh, my God, I'd 100% live out of a suitcase and just travel the world. Up until a point. Even, even that, you get tired of it after a while, I think. Yeah. But, I could imagine. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that opportunity, everyone who talks about it, even if they say, okay, I don't think I could do that anymore, still talks about it so fondly and of, like, yeah. I mean, did you, were you touring by yourself? Like, so it was you kind of just hopping from city to city? Totally. I was always alone, always. You know, and I, it's it's pretty amazing, though. Like, I traveled alone, um, like, all my planes and trains and driving. I was by myself. But when you get to your destination, like, you never feel alone. Like, it's yeah. the community of pole dancers, you know. I'd see students in South Africa that I 
haven't seen since I saw them in Paris two years ago, you know, (laughs) and like, you never feel alone when you finally get to your destination and you see your people. Um, but yeah, I always traveled by myself and that can be a little bit lonely too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Were you doing, were you training as you were traveling and then doing kind of booking it around international competitions and things like that? Like what, what are some of the major competitions that you've done that you feel like internationally? Um, the only international, wait, let me think. I haven't actually done that many competitions compared to some other people. Um, cause the last competition I did was 2012 was the USPDF one. And I was like, I'm going to go out on top. <laughs> this yeah. is pretty good. good you. Um, you or know, performances and- or performances. Cause I know you yeah. do. Yeah. Performances are great. And I love performing. Um, so yeah, I would try to, um, I don't know, like, I actually don't like to do a lot of performances because I like to do them really well. And I, I don't know, I think I take longer to train and choreograph and put things together than some other people. I can't really put things together on the fly, just go out and like, slay and smash it. I really have to like practice a lot. Um, So I would book them, you know, sporadically and also thoughtfully, you know, I definitely was like, can't do that one. That's not a good idea. It's too close to this tour. When I'm on tour, I'm not training, no, you know, okay. it's, it's so hard, you know, cause you're just traveling constantly. You're on a train and then sleeping on a couch. And then who knows, who, who knows what life is like on tour. And if you get some time in the studio alone, that's great, but you can never really plan on it. So trying to put things together on the road is like impossible. And, but also that's just me. Like I know people that do it and I yeah. admire them like so hard <laughs> that they just make the time and do it. But for me, I'm like, I got to be at my home studio to really focus. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can understand that. Yeah. And that's cool and then, to know that um, not everyone functions because we've definitely talked to people that do both and can perform at freestyle. Like on I, the wish. Fly. I wish, well, I wish, I wish. I'm like, yeah. do you want to see my leg hang for the fifth time? <laughs> Cause that's all I can think of doing right now. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's terrible. I wish I was better at that. I think if I was a performer, I'd be the same way. I think that I would want to really take the time. Well, and it's funny cause um, that it's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is how, I perceive you um, as an outsider is that you do only put very polished work out into the world, whether that's, I mean, it, it's reflected in your photography pieces, like just like your photo shoots and, but your, your website, your, your performances, like everything is like really nicely curated and polished and done well. Is oh, it? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you have this contemporary, I guess, and you, I think you describe it as contemporary sexy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was that, did you have like influences of that early in the days or was it something that you feel like you were kind of? Yeah, I feel like early on for at least the first like year and a half, maybe even two years, I was kind of trying to be someone that I'm not, you know, because you're learning whatever you're being taught or what you're seeing on YouTube or what your friends are doing. And I remember, you know, putting the heels on and my little American apparel shorts and trying to be, you know, like a sexy 
Alethea or Leanne, you know, cause those are the people that I was watching and, you know, learning from. And I was like, I look back on those videos. I'm like, this is terrible. I look, <laughs> this is not good. It was embarrassing, but it was just like, not my style. And then I was like, let me just explore a little bit more, you know, and just like take the time and dance more and try different things out. Um, and then I realized that I could bring in my contemporary dance background into pole dancing. And I was like, okay, now I'm on to something, you know, and then you like keep working and keep working, keep working until you find something that like really, really fits and feels good. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I love the inherent sexiness and sensuality of pole. Like I can't, I can't get away from that. Even when I try to be like really contemporary, <laughs> I like can't, I can't not do like a body wave at one point. Yeah. You know, I love, I love the inherent se sexiness of pole dancing. I don't want to try to like ever get away from that. Um, but I love using, you know, contemporary movement because that feels natural and that feels good to me. Um, yeah. So like blending contemporary and sexy is like, where, where I found my, my comfort zone in pole. Yeah. Yeah. You, you definitely own that genre for sure. So, I mean, you've, if you've practiced it for that long, it's, it's in your body. So it was probably just took the time to realize, Oh yeah, I haven't seen anyone do this, but it doesn't mean that that's wrong or. Yeah. I actually remember when I first learned about Laurence Hilsom in France. Uh -huh. She, I remember, I actually, she performed at Polar in 2010 when I was in Sweden and I saw her performance and I was like, oh my God, I love everything about this. That, and she that. was just like, yes, like this, what you're doing is, is so awesome. And she was just very contemporary. And I just, I loved that performance and I loved that move. And I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to explore what she's doing a little bit more. Um, that was like kind of a turning point for me in terms of like finding people that I related to and movement that I related to and, you know, developing my own. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's super fun and pull when you start off because we all have that same experience where we're just like looking at our teachers and we're all kind of like, oh, what our expectation of pole is. And then you get deeper and deeper and you start exploring things on your own and then you realize, oh my yeah. gosh, that person does what I like to do too. Yeah. And yeah. It's, oh, so it like opens this whole other drawer of possibilities. And exactly. Exactly. And it just takes time, you know, like it's a process. And like, I, like I said, like I spent the first year and a half, two years, like, you know, learning, um, but also like trying to fit, you know, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. And, you know, it, but it was like, that was years, years of, you know, learning what I didn't really <laughs> feel comfortable or like natural doing. Um, yeah, it's a long process to get to get to where you want to be. And then once you get there, then you're like, Oh, I want to experiment with some other things yeah. and see what this style is like, <laughs> and then just totally, you know, change gears and, and see what that's like. So yeah, it's a process years of working and dancing and exploring. It's, it's a process for sure. Yeah. And you have to enjoy it. How would you describe yeah. your style now? If you had to describe your dance style? Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> lusty um I still would be you know contemporary sexy for sure okay. I, I I'm like straight up all the way contemporary sexy um yeah even like I took Carmine's class last night mm -hmm. at Incredible and 
she does like her exotic, sexy class. And I was like, this feels so good, but I couldn't like not do contemporary a little <laughs> bit too, you know? Um, so it's like always, it's always going to be the blend of those for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you're also, are you still like a, you're a bad kitty ambassador and yeah, yeah I mean, you've done, yeah, you've done a lot over, you know, I guess since you went prof- professionally into it yeah. in 2010, so. Totally. It's been, it's been a wild ride. It's, yeah, I never would have thought that this would be my life. I'm so grateful. And I remember actually when I got married and I did a little speech at the, um, the reception and I was basically like, this is the perfect life. You know, like (laughs) I'm, I have great friends and family. I'm obviously marrying the greatest man alive, but who would have thought that like, I got to be a, you know, pole dancer traveling the world, you know, teaching people pole and performing and, Oh God, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, just grateful. Yeah. Are you still teaching? I'm actually on sabbatical right now okay. um, because I started a new full-time job in the end of September. Congratulations. Um, thank you. It's a weird transition. Really weird. Um, so, so that like, would gonna... put you, so 2000, so that's seven years as just doing uh, pole yeah. and dance. Mm-hmm. A little more than seven years of, of yeah, full-time professional pole dancer. Um, so it was, yeah. A lot of things led to this decision to, like, get a full-time job again. Um, but I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it out again, see how it goes. It's a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> but, I yeah, I'm on sabbatical because I wanted to just find my own, you know, rhythm again. And I was like, do I want to work all day, leave work, and then go work more? Maybe, you know, because yeah. like I know teaching makes me like super happy and energized and it's, I love it. Um, but I was like, do I want to work that much in a day? And then on my off days, go and train. Is it too much? You know, I don't know. And am I going to have to work until nine o'clock at night? I had no yeah. idea, which I don't, which is nice. Um, so I'm still trying to find like my schedule um, and yeah, see when I can go back and what classes I can put back on my schedule. Um, but it's been kind of nice being on a little bit of a break, but my advice is don't take a break for too long because it's really hard to like get back on that pole. It's only been like two months and I have been taking some classes and I'm like, Oh my God, pole is really hard. It's hard. It's uh, yeah. Don't take time off. Don't Welcome do it. Welcome to how the rest of us feel. But it's probably yeah. mentally better for you in the other respect. And if you're trying to come back not at the level you were at before, especially since you said you have no interest in competing, then it's like, you know. Yeah. No, I'm just, yeah, I'm just doing it for fun. You know, just trying to enjoy it again and no stress. Yeah. going. It's like kind of like going back to like, the first days of, you know, pole dancing for me, that's what I want. You know, that's what I want it to be again. I want it to be something that's just fun, like nothing but fun, just straight up fun all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I want. I feel that. Yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So you got, so is your full-time job in the art, art worldy stuff. So you like, yeah, you love that too. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I am producing the conferences for the College Art Association, which is another professional membership organization for um, similar to AIGA, but this time it's um, like 
art historians, scholars, and visual artists. So it's like that organization. Mm -hmm. And the conference is huge. I'm learning. Uh It's a huge conference. It's like 1,200 at least speakers, 300 sessions, all these events and tours and workshops and parties. It's insane. Wow. (laughs) um, So that's my job. I do that. Um, Yeah. And I was like, it's pretty impressive to me that after – seven years of literally dancing around the world in my underwear that someone wants to hire me again, you know, to be in a real job. So I was like, I'm going to seize this opportunity now while I can, um, and see, see how it goes. Cause I do love art and art history and the art world. And, you know, I want to actually have a steady income and, you know, make that money again and work in the arts. And it's been a rough transition. I'm, I still feel like I'm transitioning and like the learning curve at any new job is like, yeah, what am I doing? Um, but it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's a whole new world. Yeah. And it's not like you're completely removed from pole. It's like, you're still doing yeah. things like, okay, for instance, something we haven't talked about yet is elevate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty major. I'm, I'm, I apologize for not bringing that up earlier, but oh, that's, that's like okay. a major thing that I'm sure you're still involved in. But can you tell mm-hmm. us um, about your Elevated training program? Yeah. So Elevated is a teacher training program, and I am really passionate about the role of teaching. And I think being a teacher is a really, really important job. And you have to work at it and you have to practice it just like you practice you know, getting stronger or your pole dance routine, practicing teaching is a thing. And when you do that, you just become better. You become a better teacher, motivator, giver, leader. Um, So Elevated is teacher training program and it's either two and a half or three days of intensive training. And of course it's like techniques and you know, how to teach this move and how to spot this move and how to make this move harder, how to make it easier for different types of people. But it's also spending time with you as an instructor and what makes you different from that instructor and that instructor and me and that person um, and try to find your strengths and what you can bring to your classroom to make that 90 minutes or 75 minutes like the best experience of your students week, you know, because it's, I think it's a really powerful thing to be any kind of teacher, but especially pole dancing, because it's so different. It's not like going to the gym and taking spinning or yoga. It's like, it can really change people's lives. And we see it all the time, like how transformative it can be for people in so many positive ways. So you have to, you know, take it seriously. And I don't know, just like work on yourself as a teacher and I don't know. I just, I'm really passionate about teaching and that's what we brought into Elevated. Um, I co-own it with Kira and Marlo. Um, and we all feel the same way about teaching. And so we developed Elevated to be a really like comprehensive teacher training program. That's not just about techniques and moves and spotting and anatomy and stuff like that, but you know, the archetypal role of teacher and how, how you can be the best teacher. So yeah, that's Elevated. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've, asked around about teacher trainings and stuff like that and elevate it has come up every time as being like the best program out there so <sighs> you should be very proud thank uh, you yeah. that's awesome and just anyone listening if you're if you're a teacher or interested in becoming a teacher 
it's something to definitely look into. Yeah, <laughs> do you, and so it's something that you have to do in person. And so you you travel around. Is it international? Mm-hmm. Is it just yep. in the U.S.? It's international. Okay. Yeah, it's all over. The next training I think I have booked is in Hawaii. Oh, convenient. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I think it's in May. So if you wanted to go to Hawaii and you want to go see some waterfalls and hiking and yeah. beaches and also get elevated, let's let's do it. Oh, my gosh. That's that's amazing. Yeah, that's what I feel like with um so I am liquid motion certified and I picked I I picked Portland cuz I was like yeah. I've never been to Portland and then I just made like met up with my homegirl Sydney and we like made a, like a week of it. Yes. So yeah. you know, something and then you get all of this training out of it too, which is really perfect. Really helpful. So what can you give us like one thing that you think is um, important for like a highly effective teacher to to consider one one little tip or snippet or something that you would want to pass on to any teachers listening that we can maybe implement in our classes just to make us a tad better. I think just something that's like kind of really applicable and you, you anyone can do this. I would say practice your warm up. Um, Actually get into a studio and get your playlist together, get your moves together and do the warm up. And then after the warm up, do you feel warm? Okay. You know, like is your, is your body ready to go or do you still feel like your wrists are stiff or your hamstrings aren't warm up, warmed up enough, you know, and then kind of reevaluate, um, your warm up Because I feel like in the teacher trainings, that is the one thing people ask about the most and have the tr- most trouble with is how to put together a good warm up. Um, and a lot of people don't understand the difference between muscle activation and creating heat in the muscles and stretching a muscle. And then, you know, we all know that can lead to, you know, injuries and stuff. Um, so they have a lot of questions about how to put together a warm-up. And the, I say this all the time. I'm like, just practice it. Bring your video camera, videotape yourself doing it. Um, bring a bunch of friends and just have them do your warm-up. Get feedback on it. Um, make sure your music is working for you, not against you. Like if you're using the beat, make sure the beat's not too fast. I feel like we've all done that sometimes. We like want to do like inhale, exhale. And all of a sudden the song is like, <laughs> inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. Or, you know, it just like doesn't work. So like plan and practice your warm up, And then, cause that's the first thing in your class. And once yeah. you like start off on the right note and people are feeling like hype and ready to go, then you know, you've set, you've set the, you know, the bar high and just like keep going up from there. Um, so yeah, practice your warm up. And do you do like, do you keep the same warm up for a while as opposed to like um, switching it every class or do you have specific warm ups for specific classes or? I, yeah, depending on the class I'm teaching, I'll change the warm up. you know, just for the vibe of the class or yeah. also like the time of day, you know, like a, a 10 AM warm up might not yeah. be the same as like a 6 PM warm up. Um, but I do have a like standard repertoire of moves that I feel like are really effective. Yeah, so I yeah. always put them in my warm up, like compound movement that gets like a lot of things going at once. I always try to put them in there. Um, but I'll like I'll mix it up. You know, I kind of have like a grab bag of you know different techniques that I'll just like throw in. Um, I'll get into like a groove of a warm up that feels good with my music and the moves and I'll kind of stay with that for a little while and then I'll, I'll get bored of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll just, and then I'll start to mix it up and then yeah, go from there. 
Yeah, it's super true. When I I just started teaching like a month ago, and it was my biggest stress too. I was like, I don't warm, the warm up. Do I have to change it every time? And like, is it right? And I did exactly what you said. I set up a camera in my spare bedroom, and I was like running nice. these warm ups just to see like, yeah. okay, oh wait, this is a really weird transition from here to here, as opposed totally. to like, you know you're writing it out or you're thinking about it in your head, and you're like, well, how are they going to go from here to here? So I'm not saying yeah. I, I'm not even close to mastering it, but <laughs> that's a, that's. That's awesome that you're doing that though. You know, like you're actually thinking about the transitions from this exercise to this exercise and that's really smart. And it teaches fluidity and continuity in your students like right away too. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's just another thing that I'm sure you're still involved with and still have, you know, Mm -hmm. you're you're still involved in the pole community, but even if you're not necessarily teaching on a regular basis or, or performing or... Mm, still around not going anywhere (laughs) what is do you have like a plan or trajectory for yourself in pole or um I actually sent an email yesterday morning where I I'm really into hammock right now um yeah I love it it's just fantastic oh my god you should try it so I might I've been taking a lot of those classes lately and I'm thinking about training myself as a teacher a little bit more and maybe um, learning how to teach that class a little bit because it's just, I also feel like I'm, I want something new right now. I've been doing pole for like 10 years and I'm like, hammock is new and different and it's a new apparatus and it's very similar in so many ways. So you can apply a lot of pole stuff to the hammock, but it's different and it's exciting. And, um, so I'm, I'm excited about looking into that a little bit more and exploring that. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know. I don't have a trajectory for pole right now. It's kind of like just getting back into it and kind of like finding my love for it again, I think. You know, I feel like I lost the love of pole. Who knows why? Um, I, I think, think that happens, happens to a lot of people. It's inevitable. Yeah. That's something that you've been so entrenched in and that you've seen evolve so much and that just – kind of the energetic drain that I'm sure it causes. Like you kind of just need, I think it's good to take a step back from things when you feel like that and like finds to find love again. And if it's for a different apparatus, it's for a different apparatus, but you know. Yeah. I think I want to try hammock. Yeah. Oh, cool. (laughs) You should do it. And if you get tired, you can just sit in it and it's a hammock, you know, and it's soft and comfortable. Yeah. yeah, it's it's great. And I feel like you can still show off your lines and your flexibility and your musicality and dancing. Um, but it's literally softer. <laughs> that yeah. pole is hard, very hard. Um, and it's not yeah. as threatening as silks, right? Because the silks kind of scare me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it real. <laughs> I, I'm totally with you. I feel like I don't – I'm not proficient in silks at all, but I feel like I spend – 80% of the time just like wrapping my legs, <laughs> you know, just to unwrap it. It's just, it's too intensive with the wrapping. Um, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. All yeah. right. I'm going to look into it. I've seen um, our last podcast guest, Sarah Jade, has been playing around with it a lot too. So I've been looking at it and being like, that looks fun. So you're going to like it. Yeah. It's a good um, ancillary thing, probably for all pollers, because we always advocate for like, don't just always stay on the pole, do other things. It's great cross training. And I've actually found like when I take hammock class, I'm much more 
able to do both sides. It's, you know, sometimes with polls still to this day, I, I obviously have a dominant side. So, you know, doing things on the other side feels crappy. But for some reason with hammock, it's much easier huh. to do both sides. Yeah. Which is great because I know I'm training both sides, which will help me in pole dancing too. But yet it seems less difficult. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, now I'm excited to try it. Thank you for the recommendation. And we look forward to seeing what classes you end up developing there. (laughs) Or maybe you just teach it. Or excuse me, maybe you're just a student. Who knows? But yeah, you're busy. Well, I actually did my first hammock like performance solo performance at the slipper room in august so that was exciting that was like a big goal for me i actually did my own hammock show (laughs) oh my gosh that's super cool i love the slipper room oh what a cool place to be able to perform that for those who don't know that's like a it's like a burlesque club on the lower east side in new york exactly that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah it was awesome cool i love that like you're just side mentions of things would be like people's highlights that they would have brought up way earlier. But um, it's been interesting talking to you because it's like you just glossed over things that I know are like probably the highlights (laughs) of people's lives. But it's cool to like get that different perspective at the same time. So I've I've been appreciating it. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. Let's jump into the second part um, of our interview, the standard questions that we ask everyone. So who is your poll crush? This is the hardest question in the world. <laughs> I know. No one can answer this because it's like, how do you pick one? I know. Um, so I thought about this one and I was like, okay, I have to pick one. I could pick like 25 yeah. right now. Um, but I was like, if I could be in this person's body and do what they can do <laughs> and also not be, I don't know, like also maybe slightly want to like make out with her a little bit. <laughs> this is so hot. Um, I love Fontaine. Like uh, she is amazing. Um, and she's a really nice person. Um, but she's so hot and sure I love is. her style. She just has this like reckless yet refined style that I just feel like is amazing. And every time she posts a video, I'm just like, wow, I love it. So That's she's not like who my. I would have expected you. Wow. Really? I wouldn't have expected you to pick her. No. Yeah. I love her. She's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I have like a lot of other people I could say. <laughs> no, it's good. No, I appreciate you picking just one because that it like you really give her, you know, the honor because that is quite an honor to to be yeah. your pole crush. So yeah, yeah, I love her too. Very, very good selection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so how would you like to see the poll community evolve over the next five years? Um, five years. I don't know. You know, I feel like keep doing what we're doing, you know, keep, you know, running good studios and getting good instructors. Um, the competitions are great. I love that there's so many opportunities for people to do competitions and different styles of pole. You know, pole theater has, you know, the categories that you can do drama or comedy or art. Mm-hmm. I love that. PSO has different levels, so you can self-select and from level one to level four. I just love that there's so much opportunity for pole dancers now, so just more of that. Um, I really, really want someone like in the entertainment industry and someone in the pole industry to come together in a big way. Like this sounds really weird, but I really want a pole dancer to be in like a tampon commercial. (laughs) Like, I, they're the perfect spokesperson for that, you know? Um, 
Right? Wait, wasn't there a pole dancer during the Super Bowl? There was a pole dancer in some commercial. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, so I don't watch the Super Bowl, but I saw people post about it. Yes. Yes. And I don't know if it was a tampon commercial, but I feel like it was (laughs) some type of consumer product. Oh, damn. (laughs) I'm going to Google it because, yes, I know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I just want to see more of, of that, like people putting pole dancers, just normalizing it as like a, I mean, not even normalizing or legitimizing it, but just giving them more opportunities because Mm, pole dancers are amazing dancers and athletes and artists and just like badass people. And they deserve like just more recognition out there in like the big world. That's what I want to see. Being like in a movie beyond like a, you know, not that we just, a backup dancer or a strip club or something like that, not that we disrespect that at all, but it would just be very cool to see it from a different perspective. Cause I know actually a lot of people from like professional pole dancers do get cast as strippers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if they aren't, you know, to play those roles in films and videos and yep. things like that. But it would be really cool. I know, I know there are some. I'm not saying that there's none that exist because I know I've done a video on this. And so there are a bunch out there where they are pole dancing. But yeah. more, more, more. Like. Yeah. <laughs> the only so time I've ever done extra work is been a stripper in the strip club in the background you know or actually I did a pole studio scene once for like law and order um but yeah that's like (laughs) that was fun um but yeah there's it's always like you know in the background and like I just want to see it you know in the foreground a little bit like our Rudy you know like (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) that's what we need we need that movie yeah yeah we need a story like that so um Yeah, that's that's cool. I like that ambition where it's like, let's, you know, let's bring it to some next level shit. Yeah, like more music videos and more tours of artists like, you know, Pink has Aerialist on her tour and like, let's put some more pole dancers out there into the world. And yeah, yeah, just like more opportunity for everybody. Cool. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think as um, I love the touring thing and like as the poles get more portable and more easy to. Yeah, that's the hard thing about poles. It's it does, like, oh, yeah, that can't is what holds it. us back a little bit, which is like mm-hmm. where you can get backup dancers if they don't require like this crazy, you know. Yeah. Not not just crazy rigging for the sake of it being crazy, but for we need it for safety. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. And so, okay, we I'm going to put all your social media in the show notes. Is did okay. we cover is there anything we missed that you have coming up that you wanted to share? Mm. Besides Hawaii and Yeah, I feel like just Hawaii. Let's go. Everybody <laughs> come get elevated and drink Mai Tais on the beach with me. Um, but I think I don't have any performances uh coming up. There will be a show on the wall at body and pole coming up in january so look out for that um but yeah that's it just like the wall and elevated yeah cool and um okay so then before we let you go can you leave us with an empowering message or quotes or anything just something to to sign off with yes so the past couple years have been 
hard for me just in my personal life. And I've been working with this spiritual energy worker. Um, and she said something to me without even me prompting it or asking about it, um, that really did something for me inside. Um, because for the past couple of years, like my life has been so great and so magical and I've hit a wall and I've had this like terrible thought that I'm like, I don't believe in magic anymore. You know, I feel like the magic of life is gone and that's been a really sad feeling for me. And so what she said, which is what I'm going to say to all of you pole dancers and aerialists out there, you are already participating in magic and you participate in what is impossible and illogical. You defy gravity and you do things and people see you and you're like, that, that doesn't look possible. How does she do that? Um, so when you feel like there's no more magic left in life and you're struggling, just remember that you are the magic. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that was like, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling all the magic stuff recently. I'm feeling <laughs> the woo-woo. I love that you're doing the woo-woo and that we have to yeah. all remind ourselves that because, yeah, that's true. It's easy to get in ruts and we all do, but that's a good yeah. reminder of, of yeah. yeah, too. Hopefully. There's still, there's still magic out there and we are magical creatures and pole dancers are the best people in the world. Amen, sis. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Michelle. It's been so fun chatting you. with you today. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Pole Parlor podcast. Want more? Visit poleparlor.com for show notes and to link to the Facebook group where you can connect with other poleaholics and continue the conversation. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on the website, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Lots of love, babes. Thanks for listening.